Hello, everybody. If you're watching online, it's good to have you guys with us, even if you are in sweatpants and drinking chocolate milk. Uh, but it is good to have you with us. If you're over at Montrose, it's good to see you too. And of course, welcome here. Uh, it is honestly, you guys look great. So good to see you guys. I'm glad to be here. Before we dig into this week's topic, I actually want to reiterate for a moment this idea of the, the back to school initiatives and the mentoring, the sponsorship, the back to school supplies stuff, because there's just, there's just something that um, I wish... I wish this stuff was simpler. I wish that stuff was easier. Over, over, I've probably been, uh, I've been here at Grace now for 15 years. I've been helping get people connected into the community and the city and around the world for a long, long time. And uh, one of the things, some version of some question keeps coming up all the time. Like, is there, is there an easier way to, to, to make an impact? Is there a simpler way to make an impact? And, and no one ever intends to try to short circuit that process. But the reality of the fact is, is there's just not. Uh, if we want to see people's lives change, it takes relationship and it takes relational consistency over time to see the things begin to adjust and change and engage. And so whether it's a family that just grew up in a village and that village has very little access to different resources, but we have an opportunity to help them, or whether it's a kid in our local community that just desperately needs another adult to feel safe because let's face it, no matter what their background is, at least at one point in time in our childhood or our teen years, we didn't wanna hear from mom and dad. And so it's good to have other adults in our life. It's good to build those intergenerational relationships. And so if God is nudging you at all to take a look at that, I just want to encourage you to do it because this is the kind of stuff. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where God can show up in someone's life that maybe otherwise feels unlikely. And so take advantage of that. Let's step into that and let's figure out a way to really help uh, these kids and families in this next season. All right, now this weekend, we're going to kick off another conver a series of conversations called Superficial and how we can explore what it means to really love each other, uh, what it means to not be fake, what it means to kind of dig into uh, these relationships. Because honestly, if you're like me, um, you probably don't think you're superficial, but you realize you might be a little official. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's just, it, it, but it's true. Like you rarely live life thinking to yourself, I'm pretty superficial. Like uh, it's not a badge of honor. It's not something that we would even probably recognize in ourselves. Uh, but then all of a sudden, if we really kind of start thinking about it, maybe just maybe, I know I have found out, I think I'm more superficial than I realize as I've walked through this. And uh, I don't know, I, I think God wants to meet us there and help us have deeper, better, more lasting and real loving relationships as we move forward. And let's have some fun with this. How many of you said, show of hands, even if you're online over at Montrose, let's, let's dive into this. Uh, you've said the words, it's fine, and you didn't mean it. Wow, oh my gosh. So for those of you that are, so almost everybody, that's amazing. Uh, have you ever said the words, we should hang out sometime, and you're like, I am not following up with that. Yep, all right, a lot of you again, awesome, thank you. How many of you have said something that was like not that nice and then followed it up with bless your heart because you wanted it to sound better, right? You're like, that, you are such a moron, bless your heart. You know, it's just like you, 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 you say this mean thing, but you say bless your heart, it makes it all better, right? It just, it just kind of works. Or here's an online version. You ever type in the words something like thoughts and prayers and then like you never really thought about it and you... You didn't really pray about it either, right? Like, okay, yeah, it's got a little more serious. A couple of you were like, 
<laughs> you know, like you feel icky, right? And it's just easy to slip into these more superficial ways uh, of living life, right? Now, the, the opposite can happen too, and we'll get into that. But let's take a look at the word superficial, because it's important to understand what we're even talking about. This is, this is something that's existing or occurring uh, at or on the surface, right? We kind of refuse to get any deeper, or it's appearing to be true or real only until examined more closely, right? And so you think that person, they said, let's hang out sometime, and then you send them the text like, hey, you're free on Tuesday? And you're like, yeah, no. Like, I actually didn't meet. You start examining it, and you realize, oh, that was a superficial invitation to me. Got it, right? Like, that kind of stuff happens. How do we push past the, the, the one-dimensional, the skin-deep stuff in our life, and where does it even come from that we would do that stuff? Because none of us were super excited. Now, we, we all kind of like, yeah, hey, we all do this, right? But none of us are excited to raise our hands with that stuff, right? Like, I don't mean to be skin-deep on that. I don't mean to, like, just push people off. Like, where does that come from? And I think if, if, it, if you're like me at all, a lot of it comes from, like, a, a fear of being fake, Right, like I, I, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to. I don't want to like ruffle their feathers. And sometimes, if I'm being honest, I just want to get past a moment and get on with what I'm doing. Right. So you like see someone at the coffee shop, or you see someone at the store, and they're like, "Hey, how you doing?" And you're kind of like, "I'm pretty good," you know. And you just kind of like start pulling yourself away. And you're like, "I don't want to get into a real conversation. Let me give you some superficial like platitudes for a second, and then I can move on with my life." Like I don't. I don't mean to be disconnected or mean to be shallow, but it slips in there, right? Or like we don't want to, we have that fear of rejection. We're afraid of what could happen. We're afraid that if I say something that could offend, and so I don't want to mess that up, and so I just don't say anything, and so I always keep it at a super surface level. I don't want to mess things up. I'm afraid, right? That's, that, that's normal. I'm afraid to lose that person. Will my friend even want to be friends with me anymore? Will this person in my life walk away from me if I'm even remotely honest with them? And so at the expense of like what reality actually is, how we actually feel, what's actually going on, we, we are prone to want to weaken some of our connection by just prioritizing some of these like nice things, these niceties that we can say to each other instead of figuring out a way to be honest. And this happens even with the people that are the closest to us. It can happen in our family. You refuse to have the real conversation with your kid or your parent, with a spouse, because you're like, I, I just, I don't, I don't want them to think that I'm upset, and so I don't want to talk about this thing that's actually been really bothering me, and I don't want to make this worse than it is, and so you end up just holding it inside, and we never actually talk about what's really going on. We, we desperately would, we'd love to connect with our neighbor. They seem nice. And maybe if you're following Jesus, you're like, I'd love to talk with them about Jesus. But we just can't push past the weather. We can't push past sports. And we're like, well, see you tomorrow, bud. You know, it's just like, you, you just got nothing else to go. Like, where does all of that come from? Now, some of you, some of us, we hate this whole concept of being fake. We hate this idea of being superficial and we've actually swung the pendulum like all the way to the other side to the point where we're like, you're so real. You're just like, hey, if you can't put up with who I am, then that's on you. 
It's just who I am. This is just how, this, if you can't handle me, then that's your problem. If you can't do, then I'm just gonna push that over there. And this is where extreme things like cancel culture come from. Because now, since you disagree with me, now, since you don't want anything to do with me, now I just cancel you. Fine, if you don't wanna have any, we won't even get past the surface on the other side of things. And we're like, no, I want nothing to do with that. I just need to be real. I need to be the real me. If you don't like it, you can move on. And at the expense of relationship, we're willing to destroy any connection that's already there. And both sides of this pendulum of being fake and superficial or being so real that we also refuse to get into the deep things of life, what happens is, is they also can load in ammo for all of us. Because if you're being fake and I'm being real, then now I have ammunition against you. And if you're being so real that you're destroying relationships, why can't you just be nice like me? Well, now I have ammo against how you're living life. And it literally continues to war against each other because I don't understand why you would live life that way. And I don't understand why you would live life that way. And ironically, both are nestled in this idea that we actually won't push past the surface of what's going on. Now, I want to prioritize this kind of stuff. I want to get better at this, but neither sides of this pendulum are loving. Neither side of this pendulum is something that is gonna be helpful, that's life-giving. If we're just willing to be fake or we're just willing to push past all relationships, where do we go? What, What do we get out of that? What if, what if there was something more? What if there was something better? What if, the, what if there was a way that we could actually press below the surface and actually find connection? What if we could press into that and actually find life that would start to transform those things instead of just resting in our platitudes, resting in our niceties, resting in the superficiality of typical life? What if there was a way of love? Now, this is one of the million things that I think are absolutely fascinating about Jesus and why I think he's so worth giving everything to. And that's what this series is all about, that God has something greater. He has something deeper. He has something way more real in mind than our default settings. He has something much, much better than just resting in these extremes. And what if we no longer had to just pretend or be fake And we no longer had to burn every bridge just because we're bringing our real selves. What if there was something different? And we're gonna spend a chunk of this series in Romans chapter 12. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up there. If you have your phone, click on our app. You'll follow along there with our messages. Or you can just Google Romans 12 and find your Bible app and we'll dive in there. We're actually gonna be right at the very beginning tonight of chapter 12. And the writer Paul, he says this. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's a few things in here that I think are really foundational to how we push past superficiality if we want to engage this better way of life that he's inviting us into. And the first thing is this, is that he's, he's pleading with us. 
Like the writer, the Apostle Paul is not just saying, like, here's a neat idea. He's like pleading. He sees the destruction. He sees the relationships as they continue to, to, to rest on the sides of this pendulum and not get anywhere. I plead with you. I plead with you that you would listen to this, that you would give yourself over as a sacrifice to God. Now, what does that look like? Because he describes the sacrifice and he says it's holy and he says that it's living. So the living implies that this is something that we do regularly. This is that that one time on a random weekend at church, I decided to give myself as a sacrifice to God and now the rest is history. This is a living thing that we continue to do. And the holy part is that he's trying to call us and offer us something completely different, something set apart, something that's not normal. And so when he gets into into verse two and he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, he's saying, right, I want you to do something holy, something that's not normal, something that's not so polarizing that our humanity naturally defaults to. Now, if we're gonna give ourselves over as a sacrifice, what is it that we're giving to him? I'm pretty confident he doesn't mean to physically just lay yourself down on an altar and say, I'm yours. So what does it mean that we're going to give ourselves to him, we're going to sacrifice him? So what are the things that keep us in these two pendulum swings? The fears, the pain, the, 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 the rejection. What if we gave that over? The... I am who I am and no one else is allowed to help interact with that whatsoever. What if we we gave that over to him? What if we took the things that lead us to to being the person that just says the nice things to get out of situations and not ruffle our relational feathers? Or what if we gave the things that lend ourselves to to just being who I am and I don't care if it burns a bridge? What if if we took those things and we said, Jesus, I'm I'm gonna give this to you. Because the way that I interact with these relationships, the way that this is going for me is I keep burning things down instead of building things up. And so Jesus, what if I took my fears and the traumas and the pains of my life? What if I took the things that I hold so dear? And what if I said, God, what do do you want in all of this? The Bible is filled with this kind of language. Cast your cares to God, for he cares for you. Come to me and you'll find rest. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. He wants to transform us, change the way that we think we're called to be different. Now, why would it be so important to change the way that we think? Now, there could be simple little things like because the way that you think informs the way that you feel, the way that you feel, all those different things. But it's also simply based on the fact that your natural default of reacting to things is formed by the age of seven. Okay, so whether or not you think your parent or your parents are safe, whether or not you think adults are someone you can approach, whether or not you think you should uh, engage things in a conversation, whether or not you should slip into fight or flight, whether you should freeze up when everything happens in your life, the way that you navigate life, your natural inclinations, your natural instincts are formed by the age of seven. I love watching little kids interact with things sometimes because if they like something, they will often want to hug it or kiss it right? And be able to hug it or kiss it, which as most of you, I think, mo- I think most of you know, the older and older you get when you like things, you can't just hug it and kiss it, right? Like, please don't walk up to me after church and kiss me. That, nope, mm-mm. Like that just, you might like me, but don't kiss me, right? Like you can't, you, we learn like, okay, these are things that I've figured out. Now I'm realizing how the, the healthy way to interact with people or the unhealthy way to interact with people, right? <coughs> or I was just, 
watching this kid uh, at sports camp this week, and uh, they're a biter. Uh, and so, like, when they don't like things, right, like, they bite. Uh, they will go for your wrist. They will go for your hand. They will go with whatever they can find, and they will bite. Again, as an adult, I hope we learn that you can't get rejected from a job. Just go, ah, you know, you can't just bite people just because you don't like what they said or what they did because we've learned that some of these things that initially feel like defaults, maybe that's not the way that actually helps in the long run of life, right? Now, it gets much, much more complicated than that. We tend to know we shouldn't kiss everything. We tend to know we shouldn't bite everything. And so what's kind of in the middle, right? And we figure some of those things out. Well, if we're not supposed to be fake and we're not supposed to be so real that it hurts, what is this new thing? How about what if... God transforms some of your default thinking regardless of the side of the pendulum that you find yourself on and he starts to engage you to rearrange your pre-programming, to rearrange some of the ways that you naturally run after somebody. And what's fascinating, I think, about this passage is not only do we get to know then what God's will is for us, which is good, which is pleasing, and which is perfect and whole, But it also, it says, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is the way that we actually worship God. As someone that wants to follow Jesus, how do you want to worship him? We continue to give these things over to him and allow him to continually work in our minds to show us a different and better way. If we want God to transform us and get us out of whichever side of that pendulum we're on, we have to let him transform us. We have to let him do the work in us. Now, we might ask ourselves, well, what does that look like when it comes to those relationships? And I'm glad you asked. Paul actually continues a few verses later. And in verse nine, he says, don't just pretend to love others. Don't be superficial. Don't be so real it hurts everybody. Don't pretend like you have this relationship thing down, but really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Now, a lot of us will read passages like this. You're like, thumbs up. That sounds good, right? Like, don't pretend to love others. That makes all the sense. Really love people? Of course. Like, that's so good. Hate what is evil? Duh, right? Like, hold tight. This this is a no-brainer passage. Are we willing to evaluate our lives based on what this means? So in high school, I thought I was a pretty neat guy. I thought people liked me. If you asked my friends, like, oh, Joe, he's great. I found out a couple years later after graduating, there was a whole big group of people that thought I was a piece of garbage. I didn't realize this in real time, but the amount of people that I put down, that I shamed, that I made fun of, Now, in retrospect, I realized a lot, this is not an excuse. That was all birthed out of a lot of insecurity in me. The only way I knew how to climb out of any version of that insecurity was if I can make myself feel better than someone else, then maybe it. I found out that I was not actually really loving other people. In fact, I was pretending. I was definitely not hating all the things that are wrong about how you treat people, and I wasn't clinging, I was a jerk. The fact that God would call us out of that reality is so refreshing to me. That he doesn't want us to be stuck in this reality where the people that you like and are closest to, they like you enough, but all these other people, they, they can't stand you because there's this superficiality one way or the other sticking out. So 
If God's calling us out of that, what would it look like to really love them? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. The kind of love that Paul's talking about here is agape love. This, this passage, which is originally written in Greek, this is the Greek word that was used here. This is not the romantic feels, like really just get a, a neat, fuzzy feeling about the people that are around you. That's not what he's asking. This is not the just be nice kind of love. This is the sacrificial love that unites and heals. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. This is, this is how a firefighter reacts before they run into a burning building. They don't stand outside the door of the building and go, you know, I wonder, I wonder if this person is a nice person. I wonder if they put this person's deeds on a scale, if they'd be a good person or a bad person. I wonder if they're worth saving. I wonder if they're going to be thankful after I pull them out of this fire. I wonder what their reaction will be. I wonder if they were really mean to their family right before this happened. I wonder if one of these people set this fire on purpose. You know what? What I'm going to have them do is I'm going to have them all sign an affidavit before I go in there. And as long as they're good people, I will, as long as I feel warm fuzzies about them, I will go in and rescue them. No, of course not. A firefighter is willing to give a sacrificial love for the chance of healing unconditionally. I will run into that fire and I will pull them out for the chance that they might have life unconditionally. This is a 100-0 mindset. Agape love is not a 50-50 interaction. Because so many times in our relationships, we're like, well, as long as you do what you're supposed to do, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. It's a contractual thing. As long as you scratch my back, as long as you prove valuable to me, as long as you do your end of the bargain, I will step in and I will do mine. That is not love. That's a contract. That's a deal. Agape Selfless love says, I will give 100% of myself expecting nothing in return. This is what a healthy parent does with their kid. I will give all of myself to you regardless of how many times you scream at me in the middle of the night because I will give 100% of myself to you no matter how much you yell at me, no matter how much you're prone to bite me when you're upset. I will, I will give all of myself to you. I'm, I love, I agape you. This is the same kind of love that a social worker gives as they're willing to, to be kicked and beaten and, 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 and bit in a classroom or in a setting because they understand what's needed to interact with this person. This is the same kind of love that Jesus had when he hung on the cross as he's being yelled at and mocked, as he's being spit on and he's being beaten. Jesus was giving 100% of himself to unite, to heal, to offer forgiveness. 100% of himself realizing there would be those that would give zero in return. It's an agape love. It's an unconditional love. This is the, you don't deserve it, but I will do whatever leads you to life and wholeness, even if it's just a little bit, no matter the cost kind of love. We really love them. We actually love them. We're not fake. We're not a jerk. We're loving. Now, let's think about this. When have you felt the most loved by people in your life? 
maybe it's a family member, your best friends. Maybe it's that boss or that coworker that just understood. Maybe it's a favorite teacher. You still think about last year or those years ago, and you're like, that teacher made me feel special. Maybe it's an old ministry leader. Who are those people, and what did they do for you? And I think they did at least one, if not all three of these things. The first thing, that when you felt the most loved, they listened. They heard you. They heard you talk about life. They heard you say you didn't like pineapple on pizza. They, they heard you say that, hey, sarcasm hurts me more than normal people. I'd, I prefer. They heard you say, I just need someone to sit down with me for a little bit. They heard you say, I just need someone to prioritize me for a moment. They, they heard you. They listened to what you were saying and they made you feel valuable. They, they listened. Something else that they did is they learned. They learned about who you were. They learned your personality. They learned that, you know what, I'm a words of affirmation person. It's important for me to hear what people think. It's important to hear a good job from those that I love. It's, it, it's important for me to hear that. It's they learn from your culture and they learn that like Italian food is the way to this man's heart, that Korean barbecue is a special place for you, that they, they learn about the things that make you tick. They learn your preferences. They, they learn that you're a Star Wars fanatic. They learn that you prefer football. They learn these different things. They learn your life story. They learn about who you are and it matters to them and that made you feel loved. That made you feel important because they care not only just to listen, but to actually learn what makes you tick, even if it's different from them. And the third thing that happened when you felt loved is they leaned in. They actually took what they heard, they took what they learned, and they showed up. And they did something with it. This actually just happened to me this week. So if I'm peeling back the curtain a little bit, the last X amount of weeks have just been rough. Um, I don't know how to explain it without getting into a crazy amount of detail, but they've just been heavy. They have been full. Um, they've been nuts. And it has felt almost like a, a paper cut war where like every little thing that happens next in and of itself is not a big deal. It might even be good. But it added to the weight, it added to the pain. And I have just felt exhausted. Um, well, this week, uh, <laughs> the, the people that I work directly with here at the church, they, they give me this envelope and Inside it, uh, we're, my wife and kid and I, we're getting away for a small trip here pretty soon, and they got me, uh, they got us a, a pizza tour <laughs> in one of the cities that we're going to, which, if you know me, that was Vabene. That was, that, was, that was right there. And I'm like, wow, like this wasn't just a, and I, and, and I love me a Chipotle gift card, but this wasn't just like, here's a gift card. I hope you enjoy it. This was like, we thought about who you, we, we listened, we learned, 
and we leaned in. And then there were these five note cards inside. And they were just the simplest of things. But they just shared about, you know, this is what we like about you and appreciate about you. And, you know, if I showed you these cards, I'm not even sure they say anything that life-changing, but it meant the world to me. And I don't, I can't remember, not because people aren't loving, I just, I felt so loved in that moment because they listened and they learned and they leaned in. If we want to really love people, this is the recipe. If you have that person in your house that's been really hard to engage lately and you can't seem to get past the Are we listening? Are we learning? Are we looking for opportunities to lean in? That boss that's such a jerk, so difficult. What's going on in their life? Why are they so angry? Why do they have their thumb on you so, why? Are we learning about what makes them tick? Are we willing to lean in or are we just going to get stubborn and push back because, well, they're the jerk and I am who I am. And now, because if we're really going to love people, if we're going to push past the fake, if we're going to push past the superficial, it's going to cost us something because that's when it matters. If I bring my wife flowers and she's like, wow, these are really sweet. I'm like, yeah, someone dropped them off at the office today. They're from a funeral. They just lost all of their speciality because it didn't cost me anything. It took no time, it took no effort, it took no money whatsoever. I didn't give myself to it at all, therefore it doesn't mean, if we're really gonna love people, are we, are we willing to do this? Even when it's people that are hard to love or we don't love yet, what's amazing is each and every person that I hold dear in my life the ones that I feel the most loving towards. At one point in time, I did not know them. 19 years ago, my wife was just some girl that's out of my league. 10 years ago, my daughter is just the, I wonder if we'll have children or not. As I look around this room, as I think about some of you that are watching online, as, as I think about folks that I know and love over at Mon- our Montrose location, like at one point in time, we were strangers. I had no idea who you were. When I think about my life group, I didn't, I didn't know most of these people that I get together with on a regular basis and share Jesus with and our, our lives with. I didn't know hardly any of them four or so years ago. And now some of them are my best friends on this planet. The way that we begin to love, like feel the love with people that we don't yet have relationship with is we listen and we learn and then we figure out how to lean in. You see, this is the recipe regardless of whether they're the people that we care the most about or whether they're people that we feel the nudge, feel compelled to go and help and engage in love. Can we listen? Can we learn? Can we lean in? 
Now the scriptures help us and they, it also breaks down the fact that not only do we not pretend and really love, but how do we hate what is wrong and how do we hold tightly to what is good? What does it mean to hate what is wrong? Some of that's obvious. We hate the addiction, I love you, I'm so bothered and hurt with you that you're fighting through that addiction. I hate that addiction too. Let me step alongside you. Let me hear from you. Let me learn from you. Let me lean in and walk along with you. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the abuse. I also can't stand that you, you've had to go through or you are going through that. Let me love you through this thing that we both hate. Sometimes it's the diagnosis. It's the cancer. It's the disease. It's the, I also hate that. And let me listen and learn what you're going through and be there to lean in alongside you. Sometimes it's obvious, the things that are evil, that are wrong, that we should hate. Other times, it's just relational. Ordering mushrooms for my wife on pizza is wrong. So when we're together, I also hate what is wrong and I don't get mushrooms because relationally speaking, that's not gonna be helpful. Rooting for the Steelers, it's wrong. Right? So you got to hate that stuff, right? I see some of you in the room. You're, you'll, you'll survive. Uh, but sometimes, yes, it's easy to hate what is obvious, and it's easy to hate what is even relationally wrong to, to fix that. But sometimes we have to discover something. See, sometimes we have to figure out how life works. We have to lean into the relationship. We have to lean into our relationship with God to suddenly discover that actually, wow, that's something that that's burning the bridges in my life. That, that's, that's hurting me. That's harming them. I had a, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, actually. He was the best man in my wedding. Uh, he, he's that guy that's just, like, annoyingly in shape. Uh, like, he, he actually reminds me of Sunshine from Remember the Titans because he actually has long hair. He actually was the quarterback on our college football team. He actually had the six-pack, which just drove me crazy. Like, between the hair and the six-pack, I'm like, I don't get you. Like, it's just, like, something that I don't understand. But we actually became super, super good friends. And then he was just, like, in super good shape all the time. Like, he did triathlons after he graduated college and stuff and, like, doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, but here's the crazy thing about his physicality. He was also an asthmatic, uh, he had to take seven inhalers a day to counteract his asthma. It's one of the reasons he was always so active, was to keep fighting for his health. But he had to continually take these preventatively in an emergency and all that kind of stuff, always, always, always looking out for his asthma. One day he met a girl, and this girl happened to have celiac. And so she has celiac, she has to be gluten-free, can't be around that. And so if he wanted to be around her, he also had to start eating gluten-free, he realized that in his life, he had to start making something that he didn't realize was wrong. For He's like, I have to now hate this thing that is wrong when I'm around her for the sake of building a relationship. And then they got engaged, and then they got married, and now this is a real thing. But here's the funny thing that happened in his personal life. Not only did that help him build a relationship, about six to eight months after being gluten-free, he didn't have asthma anymore. I don't, I, to my knowledge, he has not used an inhaler in like a decade. Here's, here's my disclaimer. That is not medical advice, okay? That is, that is not, you know, my pastor said, I don't need my inhalers anymore. I just won't eat real pizza. Uh, that is not what I just said. I mean, you might, I mean, explore it with your doctor. Um, but he learned to hate something in his life that was wrong, that was leading him away from life, that was leading him away from even a spe special relationship, he realized, I need to push that aside. I need to cling to what is good. What is good is my now wife. What is good is my health. What is good is me being able to breathe. What is good 
to cling to what is good. I read this quote uh, this week that I thought was just so pertinent. Um, It says this, loving our neighbors is not the same as simply not hating them. Love is not a lack of hate or of anything else. Love has form and content and it compels us to act. It compels us to actively seek the well-being of others. It hates what is wrong. It hates what is evil because that thing continues to hurt this person, because that thing continues to, to lead away from life. I don't hate the person. I hate the thing that's destructive, right? But it's not good enough just to sit there because that's actually superficial. Then how do we put that into action? How do I cling to what is good? How do I actually run after then what is good? Because just simply to say, that stinks, that's hard. I'm sorry you're going through that, that's not going to be good for your life, and then dropping the mic and walking out, like how then do we actually cling and hold on tightly to what is good so that we can actually really love them? How do we begin to show up in their life? How do we listen and learn and lean in with someone, even though we share this hate for what is obviously bad in their life? Because love has content and form, and it compels us to actually act. And if we're going to find what is actually good, God is inviting us in to realize that the source of it is him. And so Jesus gives us this wonderful definition of how do we love other people. He just simply says this, love each other in the same way I have loved you. In the same way that I have loved you, that I was willing to sacrifice for you that I was willing to give myself up for you, that I was willing to put your interest ahead of my own, that I was willing to even die for you, for you to have life, that I was willing to have the hard conversations with you, that I was willing to accept you and meet you where you were at, wherever it was, that I was willing to love you in your worst moments, but then I was willing to actually walk you outside a pathway towards life. You see, because when we love the way that Jesus loves us, we're going to naturally hate what is wrong. Because if we love others, we're going to hate the things that destroy. Hate the things that mess and break apart the relationship. Hate the things that lead to the continual destruction of them or us as a person. We're going to value what he values. We're going to go where he goes. We're going to realize that God is good and we're going to hold on to him. If, if we have a chance, if we're going to move past the superficial, then I have to let Jesus transform me. I have to let Jesus transform me. Instead of living in the extremes of just being superficial or being so real that we're willing to burn all these bridges, what if we then instead held tightly to Jesus And let him lead us down a pathway of love that actually began to rock our relational worlds. And we move toward what unites and what heals. Jesus is calling us, he's inviting us to do something active. But if we're going to do that, we actually have to hold on to him. So I have a couple questions for you. 
questions that have been plaguing me for the better half of this week as I think about how this is playing out in my life. The first thing I had to ask myself is, where am I holding back? Where in my life am I not willing to give something over to God? You can, you can have me, just not my opinions about this thing. You can have me, just not this, this facet of my life. You can have me, just not this addiction, because I don't know that I'll ever get over it and people have addictions, it's common. You can have, where am I holding back? Where am I saying, God changed me, but not really? God, I'll let you change all the parts. Where, where, where are we holding back? from Jesus helping us get out of the pendulum, out of the continual war with each other, out of the shallowness of relationship, where he wants to pull us into the depth of meaning of life. But we're holding back. The second question I had to ask myself is where do I personally build into the renewing of my mind? In other words, where am I actually digging in with Jesus? Where am I listening to him? Where am I learning from him? Where am I leaning into what he's asking? Because if we're not listening and we're not learning and we're not leaning in, we're definitely not holding on tightly to him. So how are we engaging the scriptures? How are we engaging a a, a conversational prayer life and not just a wish list? How are we listening to what God might want? What does he want you to do with your life? How does he want, who does he want you to focus on now as we think about these types of relationships? If we're not listening, how could we possibly know what he wants and where are we getting our mind renewed? It doesn't happen without him. And the third thing I had to ask myself is where can I love others? Who are the people that God, you you know, right now he's nudging you with people, their names, their faces. He's saying, I want you to love them more deeply, more real, in in a satisfactory, life-giving way. I want you to give yourself to this person 100-0 towards healing, towards unity, towards life. Who? Who is Jesus calling you to? Maybe they're people you know very, very well. Maybe maybe it's someone you haven't even met yet. And God is saying, I want you to love these people, this person. If we're willing to ask ourselves these questions, I fully believe that God can pull us past the superficiality of our relationships. If we dig into this idea that he wants to transform us and take us into really loving other people, he is the answer. As the band comes out, I wanna read this psalm with you because I think this psalm helps us better understand a, a great prayer mindset for how we can see ourselves and how he can help us push forward. In Psalm 139, it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Get me past the reasons why I lean into being superficial. Get me past the reasons why I'm so defensive and just want to be me and you have to get over it. Show me. Show me, Jesus, where I'm not hating what is wrong and it's starting to burn these bridges. It's starting to deteriorate from life. Show me what to cling to so that I have everlasting life, so I can sense your life and your love and what you desire, Jesus. In this moment, as the band leads us in some music, will, will we, would you offer yourself? Maybe even in, in this moment as a living sacrifice set apart to love people the way that is so much better than our defaults. Would you, would you put yourself in that circumstance and allow him to begin to work into you even now on how to really love others? Will you pray with me? Jesus, help us. We cannot do this on our own. Our defaults do not always lend themselves to the best courses of action. And Jesus, I just pray that we would be honest about it. And however we tend to, to sway on that pendulum, I pray that you would help us to pull us back to the Jesus middle, to this Jesus godly understanding of what it means to really love people, to really love others, to see them the way that you do, to look for the ways in which we can unconditionally love them and bring them towards life and wholeness, towards salvation, Jesus. Change us, lead us. And it's your name we pray, Lord. Amen.